Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my goodness! Give me the hot sauce, Bill Pump! Give me the hot sauce! There it goes! Can go upstairs! Woo! Let me step back and kiss myself! MVP time! Windy City Assassin does it again! The NBA playoffs have moved into the conference semifinals. Time for a brand new edition of Gimme the Hot Sauce. This is episode number 32. And I'll tell you what, guys, when you think about some great numbers in sports, wow, we get a classic list of guys who wore 32 during their careers. Let's start with basketball. One of the all-time great point guards, Magic Johnson. You got the mailman, Carl Malone. Shaq wore 32 when he broke in with the Orlando Magic. You got Kevin McHale from football. The great Jim Brown, perhaps the greatest football player of all time. Marcus Allen, Franco Harris from baseball. A couple of great left-handed pitchers, Sandy Koufax and Steve Carlton. And Dr. J, Julius Irving, wore 32 during his days with the New York Nets. So that's a pretty good list, Stace, wouldn't you say? So that's a lot of 32s out there. Stanley Wilson, the former University of Oklahoma great (laughs) running back. There you go. Cincinnati Bengal running back that was in the Super Bowl that lost to the San Francisco 49ers. Let's start out talking some hoops. Obviously, we're on to the conference semifinals, but LeBron James and Anthony Davis are not. They are in 1-2-3 uh, Cancun. They, they, got, <laughs> they got sent away yeah. pretty quickly. And, yeah. and, of course, wow. LeBron walked off the court. We talked about that in our last episode early when they lost in Game 5. But he said all the right things. He went out in a classy manner after they were eliminated in Game 6. Stacey, is it, is it too simplistic to say that if Anthony Davis were healthy, the Lakers would be champions again? Or were there more things wrong with that Lakers team? There, there were more things wrong with that Laker team. You know, they, they got rid of some guys that I thought were big, instrumental parts to them winning championships last year. Danny Green, mm-hmm. a consistent outside shooter, very good defensive player. Um, Dwight Howard, who came in off the bench, gave you rebounding and shot blocking. Um, you replaced those guys with guys who, you know, I mean, Drummond, you know, Andre Drummond came in. And Rondo was half, big for him last year. And Rondo was big for him last year. So you replaced those guys with guys that were not really proven. You know, a Schroeder. You know, Schroeder's up and down this year. You know, he's supposed to be, you know, here's a guy that turned down $84 million and didn't do anything for you in the playoffs. Had a horrible playoff series against Phoenix. Really, really bad. Um, so I, I don't even know if they would have had a healthy Anthony Davis and a healthy LeBron if they could have won the championship. I, I just think they were so many, there were so many holes in that team that I don't think they would have been able to get to the finals. 
Anthony Davis, of course, tried to play after injuring his groin, and that was painful watching that five-minute stint you had on the court. <laughs> you wonder, what did the training staff and the team doctors say to let him get out there? Obviously, he wanted to play, but boy, he, he was risking a, a very serious injury by going out there. Well, it's the same thing that happened to Kevin Durant back when he was at Golden State. You know, had no business being out there, mm -hmm. but got the pressure of fans and, and, and their fan base to get back out there. And he ends up, you know, tearing his Achilles, you know. And so the same situation with, with Anthony Davis. You know, you've got a guy who's a superstar player. Everyone knows how important he is to that team. And without him, they have no shot. And the way they lost in game five, you know, that proved if he's not in the lineup, they have no chance to win. So what does he do? He, he says, hey, I'm going to strap it up. I'm going to go out there and give it my best shot. And, you know, it was supposed to be a game time decision. You probably could have realized before you even got him out there that he wasn't going to be able to go, you know. And then once he was out there, he just was like, nah. Yeah, just, just, just street clothes. Just, just street clothes. Oh. <laughs> street clothes. <laughs> see, see, you and Charles Barkley. Yeah, see, you and Charles Barkley, you know, street clothes Davis. That's really bad, man. That's really bad, man. But Well, that is the knock right now. I mean, he's been hurt a lot even in his career with the Pelicans, and he had a series of injuries this year. When healthy, he's definitely a top 10 player in the league, but he just can't stay on the court. And obviously that's going to impact his ultimate legacy is and when people are talking about the great big men in the game. Well, I mean, you know, maybe the Ruffles commercial was a curse, you know, because you never saw, <laughs> seriously, like you never saw Anthony Davis doing any commercials and stuff like that. And maybe the Ruffles commercial was a, was a curse. Maybe he should have focused more on, you know, doing Pilates and, and uh, hot rock yoga and, you know, and, and, and got himself ready. Because listen, I've said this all along. They missed, him and LeBron missed too many games this year. Yeah. There was no way in the world that they were going to come back, even if they would have come back healthy, that they would have had a rhythm going into the playoffs. Because in the playoffs, you got to be a well-oiled machine right now. Every part has to be ready to go. During the regular season, you can tinker and mess around with your lineups here and there, guys in and out lineup. But when it comes to playoff time, you have to have your roster set of your you know six to eight to nine guys, and you have to have rhythm. And the Lakers never had that. Well, it's interesting that both the Heat and the Lakers were eliminated in the first round. Two teams that were in the bubble final last year. So maybe there was something about playing all those extra games and then the short, shortened off season. So yeah, LeBron you know. jumped on that excuse too. Yeah, and yeah. Hey, you yeah, know, it's maybe rather legitimate, you know, for guys 37 years old. And like you said, didn't play a lot of games. And there's a reason. And the Heat as well, Jimmy Butler, you know, they're out. Listen, they're out. Listen, at the end of the day, the bubble should have an asterisk. Seriously. Oh. It should. It should. I know. I know. I know you had to play the season. It was the bubble. Okay. But look at the teams that got out. The Lakers and Miami. Look at Tyler Hero. Look at Duncan Robinson for the Miami Heat. In the bubble, there's no pressure. Yeah. They can just play. Hero look, Hero played so well that the Miami Heat he refused to go get Harden because right. that kid played so, so well, well yeah. in the bubble. Yeah. So they refused to bring upgrade their roster with James Harden yeah. to keep Tyler here because, oh, he's untradeable. You, you can trade anybody but him. you yeah. know. And his name, he should have been the first one gone. Yeah. And then what happens this year? You see him in the regular season. Now teams have a chance to prepare for him. Mm -hmm. The pressure of crowd noise and all this other stuff. Both him and Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson still had a very good three-point shooting year. But when the games counted, you couldn't count on them. They yeah. were inconsistent. Not like last year. No, they were inconsistent. Yeah. Duncan Robinson is going to get paid, though, in free agency. 
Everybody's looking. Everybody for a needs a shooter. Yeah, everybody would love to have a guy like that. There's a. I mean, we definitely could use a shooter. But you, <laughs> and you, you, you know, I mean, every team now with the way the game is being played, with the three point line and all the things that are going on with the game, as far as the spacing is concerned, the the pace, you need a guy that can knock down three point shots. You look at that Atlanta series with Philadelphia. Okay, Atlanta came out the box. Knocking down threes. Yeah. And that set the tempo of the game. There was nothing Philadelphia could do. They could pound the ball in 100 times to Embiid, who's not 100%. He had 39. And yeah, he had 39. But that game, honestly, until the very – it wasn't really close. No, you know, at the, the end. end. At the end of the game, that young Atlanta Hawk team act like a high school team. They start throwing they start it all over the They throwing the ball over the place. <laughs> they started getting trapped like they'd never seen a trap. Yeah. This is why, guys – I say teams who can implement that kind of style of play defensively during the regular season and then still carry it over to the playoffs are going to cause teams problems. If you watch an NBA game, and I watch a lot of NBA games, when you watch the NBA game, you see guards walking the ball up the floor. You see a Jokic walking the ball yeah. up the floor. No, There's no pressure, no duress. Okay, yep. When we played, Phil Jackson always let our second group because we were the young guys. He would let us go out there on our own without any calls or anything and go out there and trap, turn the tempo up and, you know, recover to our man. We wouldn't, you know, we would trap the guard and force the guard to throw it back to the big man who took it out and then force him to bring the ball up the floor. And now we're pressuring him and making him turn eight second count. He's not comfortable. And you saw that against Philadelphia. If more teams implemented that, I guarantee you, you would see different defensive structures. Yeah, and you're pressuring the ball. Then, then when they do cross half court, they've only got 14 seconds to run their offense. Cut their options. Reduces down. their options. Yes, yeah, no yes, question about yes. It. And that was huge against Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I think you'll see Philadelphia implement that the next time they play Atlanta. Yeah, start trapping the ball. Get the ball. Out. I've always said well, that about Trey Young. Simmons probably on Trey Young more. Well, and yeah. I've I've always said this about Trey Young. When you have a guard that's so dynamic that can create off the dribble, off the bounce, one screen, two screens, because he's getting a variety of different screens. He's getting two screens, he's getting one screen, yeah. and he is so good at that floater in the lane. Oh, Half the time, you don't know if he's shooting it. It's like yeah, a pass. Yeah. He's just, sometimes he's passing yeah. it, and you're like, like, did he just shoot that or was that a pass? And all of a sudden, right. you see Capella or Collins dunking the basketball. So you've got to trap him in a pick-and-roll situation. Trap him because he's so small it's just like having a small quarterback in the NFL can't see over the line when the linemen get their hands up. You know, Drew Brees early in his career, you know, getting a lot of balls tipped at the line. It's the same thing in basketball. When you get a small guard like that who is so dynamic with the dribble, you trap him, and you saw it at the end of the game. He struggled trying to get the ball to people. And I, I, I that's how I would guard him. Anytime he came out picking Rob, I would trap him. Any early, since we're taping this week and then, you know, obviously some point next week, do you, what's your prediction on that series? Pain. <laughs> is that club Pain of for the Sixers? Is that club of line? Pain. I, I'm gonna tell you right now. I, listen, I'll bury the fool. Listen, I'm gonna tell. You, I'll be honest with you. I was not surprised they went in there and beat them. The way they the way they play is going to be tough for Philadelphia because you got a hobbled Embiid right now. If you notice in the first three quarters, they put him in a lot of pick and rolls. They got him outside the perimeter, got him outside, away from the basket, and they attacked him on pick and rolls. They were able to get shots because the rotations weren't there. Now, I expect Philadelphia to make some adjustments as the series goes along. You can't put Danny Green 
start Danny Green on 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 Trey Young. That's yeah, just, that didn't work. I mean, that's just like you know Trey Young's looking at it like oh I'm licking my chops. <laughs> like thank God Doc Rivers put this guy on me. You know because uh, I, I thought he struggled against Thibel. Thibel, I thought Thibel did a really good job defensive. Plus he's younger. He's more. Yeah. He, he's a younger Danny Green. He doesn't shoot the ball like Danny Green does. That's why Danny has to be out on the floor. Mm -hmm. But Danny didn't really take any shots last night because he, he was. Because think about this. Think three. about this. When you have to spend so much energy chasing Trey Young around, yeah. that's that's defense for the Hawks because now he doesn't have legs. He already had the energy and he can't get his shot his feet down because his legs are so tired because he's chasing Trey Young, a little water bug around. So you can see why he didn't miss. I it. never he thought Danny shots. Green was a defensive stopper. I always thought yeah. he was a shooter. Certainly so not against no, point guards. No, either. so no, he, yeah, he's he's a good hey, he's a good defensive player. Don't sleep. All right, he's just he's just long in the tooth now. But okay. before, when he was on the San Antonio Spurs teams, and yeah, he was a, def a defensive stopper. Okay. Let's talk about the other series in the East. James Harden goes out in the first minute of game one against Milwaukee with a, with a strained hamstring. He's also going to be out for game two. We are taping this podcast on Monday afternoon. They're going to play later today. Milwaukee blew an opportunity to steal game one because, oh you know, they God. had to adjust. And, and for whatever reason, they were six for 30 on three-point shots, but that's bud ball. They keep chucking them up. And <laughs> if they would have gone inside like they did in the first quarter when Giannis and Brooke Lopez were scoring, they probably would have won game one. I, I'm so disappointed yeah. because, <laughs> because first of all, Harden goes out the first 40-some seconds yeah, of the game. Yeah. Right there, everybody should got excited. Okay, sure. now we've, we've, we've lost there because losing James Harden, honestly, is like losing three people because you, yeah. not only does he score, that he gets everybody else involved, and mm -hmm. he's also a very good shooter. So you take him out the lineup. Now you got two superstars. So they lose one of the one of the Avengers. So now you got two. So <laughs> so it's much better to, to play against two than it is three. Yeah. Okay. So what does Milwaukee do? Milwaukee, they're in the game. They're they're killing them on offensive glass. They're they're a bigger team. Points they're in more the paint. Points in the paint. They're doing all the necessary things to win this first game on the road and get that first game, which you want to get out yeah. the guard. Right out the box, you want to get it. Then they start going back to, well, it's, it's time to shoot threes. Yeah. You know, you know, the <laughs> analytics says, you right, know, right. analytics says we need to start shooting threes now. We're having so much success dominating points in the paint and attacking the glass. But hey, analytics said we need to shoot threes. Let's yeah. start shooting threes. What, six for 30 or something? What was it? Six, six for 30. 30. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I say you fear the deer, though. Yeah. Chris Middleton, six for 23. Bryn Forbes, oh. two for nine. Yep. Uh, I think Holiday was seven for nineteen. If, if you shoot the ball like that, it's going to be a long night. The role and, players yeah. for the for both teams is Mike be, James. The role players, not, that, not the Mike James who played no. for the Bulls. Mike like James, no, no, old, no, no. But the role players Blake. are going to be the difference in this game, especially now if Harden is not a hundred percent. Blake Griffin, turn Blake, back the clock. Blake, Blake Come Griffin, on. listen. Come on, Blake okay. Griffin. Can he do it again? Uh, Maybe. Listen. <laughs> Blake Griffin, first of all, he's from Oklahoma. So right. we, shout we out to that. We know shout that. out to my man Blake. That. Blake. Yeah. A lot of people don't have confidence in Blake, but I do, buddy. Okay. But you did turn back the clock the other day. That was um, <laughs> you're diving on the floor. He's diving on the floor. When have you ever seen Blake Griffin dive on the floor? You know? know. But this is what he's come to now because he doesn't have the athleticism that he once yeah. had. So now he's he's down with the mortals. He came from Mount Olympus. And now he's living amongst the mortals because he lost his superpower. He looked like an undrafted free agent trying to make the team. But you know? I tell you what, though. Even though he lost his superpowers and he's walking amongst mortals now, okay, <laughs> right. he still has a high basketball IQ. 
He can pass the basketball. He made some yeah. nice passes. He was when good. Du- they, they had the nerve to double team him at the three-point line. I'm like, why would you do- what? Why would you double team Blake Griffin at the three-point line? Because he hit a couple of threes. Yeah. So what? Let him shoot that. Yeah. You're running two people out of He's such a good passer. Oh, there's somebody underneath the basket. Whoop, hit him. Lay up. Yeah. Bro, uh, Brown. What does Brown do for you? Just gets jumped <laughs> around the basket. So I, I was really, I was really disappointed in Milwaukee. And then late in the game, it was kind of like same old Milwaukee the last five or six years. Give the ball to Giannis. Esco ISO. The top of the keys. Everybody the spread out. Yeah, you know. And, okay, work. but it doesn't work anymore, <laughs> no. especially especially when you don't have guys making shots. Right. If guys are not making shots, the other team's like basically like, hey, let them shoot. Yeah. Let Forbes shoot. He ain't hit one all night. Yeah. And if he hits one, so be it. Let you know, you know, let Middleton shoot. He's not hitting anything. Everybody played except for DeAndre Jordan. That's incredible. He's out of the rotation, but I mean, they every. I mean, compared to the like they used to kick Claxton over Jordan. Yeah, that shortened the rotation. I mean, you know, the bench was five deep for the for the Bucks. But man, look at the guy. I mean, you know, Mike James played thirty minutes. I mean, Mike obviously James. with Harden out, but <laughs> but all these, you know, hey, John's got his Bucks hat on though. He's still he's still carrying the yeah, flag. Yeah. Well, it's not a, it's not a series until you you know someone wins on the on oh, the. Oh, there you report. go. So yeah. I, I feel like there's no way Blake Griffin's gonna do. 18 and four, and I've, I'm confident that this team, I've seen this team all year long, and hey. no way. Hey, Harden's pick, out, no way. I picked them in six. I'm sticking with my prediction. Yep. If they lose tonight, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. I'm just telling you. If they yep. lose tonight, of course. Because, no, if they, because they should have gotten game one. Yeah. And had they gotten game one, it'd have put so much pressure oh, on Kyrie you, yeah. and, yeah. and, 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 and um, Durant to get it done. Yeah. Now they're, they're like, hey, we lost Harden. Now we got Joe Harris hitting shots. We got guys playing out their mind. And Let's the, go. And the difference is they lost Harden in the first minute of the game. Yes. It's not like it was, you know, at the end of the game. Yes. So was, they uh, won this game without Harden for the entire, you know, for the entire game. You know what? The problem with these coaches in the NBA, and I've said this, all, I mean, even when I was a player, you know, the problem with these coaches, they get in their mind, they get fixated on certain things. Like, okay, uh, uh, analytics says I should only play six players. <laughs> and they stick to six players. Okay, uh, I'm not. I'm going to go against the guys I played all year long, the guys who helped us get here. I'm going to, like Bobby Portis, I'm going to forget about him. Bobby Portis is one of the biggest, you know, acquisitions this year for any team. He, six, man. six man. He could have yeah. easily been right up there in the six man of the year award, okay? You don't play him. How many minutes did he play? Uh, Bobby played 17 minutes. 17 minutes. Come on, man. Well, don't you think at some point you might have to put Middleton on the bench? I'm just saying. Well, I mean, he's shooting no. like that, yeah. No. I, but no. where are they going to go? I mean, I, you don't well, have his the starting yeah, lineup because they have, wanted P.J. Tucker to guard yeah, Durant. That didn't yeah. work. You don't have DiVincenzo, so that hurts you. Okay, so, like, you don't. he doesn't have a lot of options, but what he does have is, again, he has three guys against their two. Okay, you've got Kyrie and you got Durant. You've got Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis. They outnumber the two. So how okay? do you defend them again? So what I would do, what I would do is, if I can neutralize one of them, it would be Kyrie Irving, and I would put Holiday on him. I would I would have him harass him, play him physical. I would have him post him up anytime he's on him, put him in the post, score on him in the post. And I would try to neutralize him. You're not going to stop Kevin Durant because there's, he's a matchup nightmare because sometimes he can slide to the five, he can slide to the four. So then you'd be being like, you know, checkers trying to match up. So he's going to be tough. But you know Kyrie's going to have the ball in his hands 
probably 95% of the time. So that's the guy you really want to neutralize. If you can neutralize him, you got a better chance to win. But if you let both of them get off, and then all of a sudden Joe Harris is now, you know, he's a complimentary player. He's wide open for threes. And then Mike James comes off the bench. You know, here's this guy was playing in like playing overseas. Just re I mean, he came yeah. from overseas. Yeah. They picked him up in the second half. Yeah. And I remember, because he came and played against us, was uh, against the Bulls. It was one of his first, first games. games. Yeah. And he was on a 10-day deal. And I had told Adam and me, I said, yeah, he, they're going to sign him for the rest of the year. And he said, you think? I go, yeah, he can play. I don't know if people remember him in Phoenix. Right. He was, a, yeah. he was a starting point guard for Phoenix. And that's how Steve Nash knew him. Steve Nash was was in the Phoenix organization and yeah. knew that Mike James, you know, could play. And that's how they were able to get him. So he's I mean, you don't miss you don't miss a lot with him coming off the the bench. I mean, you know, as far as a, a backup point guard, it's a good quality point guard. Let's go back to the West, uh, seven game series between the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, oh. It was pretty entertaining. Kawhi Leonard had 45 oh. in game six as they stayed alive with a win in Dallas. The road team won the first six games in that series. And then in Game 7, Luka was unstoppable in the first half, but he kind of ran out of gas because he had to carry the whole offense all by himself. Let me himself. tell you something. Have you ever seen the, the movie Full Metal Jacket? Yeah. Okay. Let me tell you what. I'm, I'm a Full Metal Jacket on Porzingis. Hey, remember, remember Pyle. Remember Pyle kept eating donuts and stuff and getting the getting the whole. Uh, <laughs> he was getting the whole platoon in trouble. Right. They had to do push ups, sit ups, all that stuff, and then he'd get to eat the donut. Okay, and then when he went to sleep, they piled bars of soap in the in the pillowcases. And while he was asleep, they held him down, kept his mouth closed, and they beat him on his stomach <laughs> with uh, soap bars. That's what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. is when he's on the plane, we're flying back to Dallas from LA, and he's sleeping. He's he's sleeping in his chair like this. <laughs> okay, then I'm gonna sneak up. I'm gonna sneak up behind him. We're all gonna sneak up behind Porzingis, and we're gonna we're gonna hold his mouth, and then we're just gonna beat him. We're gonna beat him with a pillowcase full of soap because the way he the way he played. Come on, man. Like, you're seven foot. You're seven foot. What three? Seven yeah, four. Yeah, seven three. Okay. He was. No help for Luke at all. No sidekick. And the yeah. and the problem with him is he doesn't want to be a sidekick. He thinks he's the show. Unicorn, right? He, he thinks he's the man. And he he's can't not, move anymore. He's though. not the same guy that he was his first couple there, of years in New York before yeah. injury. Yeah. Oh for five from three. Oh, let, what let, are you let, doing? Here, here, let me tell you what he did. Oh for five from three. If I could have jumped through the TV, if I could have literally it had been physically possible. For me to dive through the TV and tackle him when he had the two-on-one break. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He steals the ball. Great defensive play. Steals the ball. He's going down his two-on-one break. If he would have pitched the ball ahead, he got a dunk. He dribbled, dribbled, dribbles. And he's, I saw it coming. Yeah. I'm like, no! Yeah. <laughs> Just like I did when Denzel Valentine shot that 40-footer. <laughs> yeah. No! Okay, so, so, so he starts to... He's going to shoot a three on a two-on-one break. And if I could have jumped through the TV and y'all could have saw my body come flying out there and they said, what was that? And then I could go back to the TV and get back to my, my, my chair. No one knew it was me. I'd have tackled his ass. You know, some they should look at their analytics a little more closely because between like Dallas going 10 for 36 and Milwaukee – what they what their shooting was from three. You, you might want to think about this whole analytics thing. Analytics, you know. Sucks. And remember what B, <laughs> I remember we had BJ on. Remember he was talking about this. He it was it blew his mind when guys would go down on a break, right? Yeah, pull and up, pull up. For, he, three, it would just yeah. blow. His yeah, like like there was there was a game this year when Denver had a four on one break, 
and they could have easily had a dunk. And then they all went to the three point line. Nobody went to the basket. Yeah, and then yeah. so so Jamal Murray like looking over, like right? okay, no one's gonna go. So he jacked up a three, yeah. and it's like. Are you kidding me? Four on one? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially when you're having like how many possessions? Hundred percent. What? Don't you'll make that up, right? right. You? Take you the hope. Yeah. Take the bucket. I'm not a big. I'm not a big analytics fan. I, I'm yeah. not. I, I think it. I think it's really kind of like, you know, I, I watched that movie uh, Moneyball. Yeah. With Brad Pitt, Great yeah. Billy Bean. Great, Great movie. Great movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> that works in baseball, in my opinion, to it, a well, certain level. To a certain level, it's worked for Oakland. It did, and it's okay. worked for other teams. Okay, so, the, so, so yeah. I, I'll say it works in the baseball because you're dealing with 162 games, yep. you know, the percentages of, of certain players. I mean, I can see it working in baseball. Yeah. But basketball, the, the, the Billy Bean approach in basketball to me stinks yeah. because what it's done to the game is it's taking common sense out of the game. Yeah. You're basically saying three is better than two no matter what the situation is. So just stop at the three. We got to get up 35 threes. Okay. That's yeah. our goal every night. Teams yeah. are going in there with that mindset. We got to, we got to shoot 35 threes. If we shoot 35 threes, we got a chance to win the game, but Hey, but is analytics telling you your team stinks at shooting threes, right? That you're only getting, let's say you went six for 36. Uh -huh. Okay. So you got 18 points just from three pointers. Okay. Uh -huh. Where now you start looking at the other team. They only shot like 20 some threes. Okay, they made yeah. they made six. So they now you cancel each other out at the three point line. Yeah. Where where's the difference in the game now? They went to the free throw line twenty five yeah. times. You went yeah. to the free throw line five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you could be down minus fifteen just right. off the of free throws. Yep. Then you throw in the, the second chance points. Okay. Yeah. Now you throw in like let's just just a small number plus ten in 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 second chance points. That's plus twenty five. You're down now. Fast break points well, figure into that. There's so many different things that factor into that that cancels out analytics about the three point shot. Well, don't they also put a higher value on free throws too? So that I mean, getting back to your point, like if you can get to the paint and get a foul and go to the free throw line, I think they give that a higher rating, like shooting free throws. So they're, why wouldn't you, if yeah. you're not a good three point shooter team shooting team, why wouldn't you do more of that? Their thing is though, the John, the on? analytics thing is, is that to drive it as far as you can to the basket, get the defense to shift right. and then kick it yep. to a three point shot. And then, and then as they rotate the second or third pass, because defenses have not changed even since the nineties. If you move the ball more than twice, you can get any shot you want, any shot you want in the offensive set. Yeah. If you're patient, a lot of teams will come down, they'll just one, one jack and they'll jack it up. But the good teams like Golden State, you know, if Curry's not involved in it, swing, swing, swing. The Curry's wide open on the other side. Bam, they got a wide open shot because they move the ball three or four times. Yeah. If you're impatient when you're coming down, like Porzingis on a two-on-one break, that's impatient. Yeah. Common sense says, son, go to the basket. Get a, get, you can get a three-point play on a foul. On a dunk. Yeah. So go go get what's practical, common sense. Yeah. Because if you're only shooting, let's say he's shooting 30, I don't know what he's shooting from three-point line. I don't oh, know. Okay. Good. So let's just say he's 35%. He might be lower than that. Let's say he's 35%. The league average, you know, this is where we need our stats. Southside, this is where we need you to be looking up these stats. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's blaming Susie now. He's Susie, don't let him come between us. Don't let him come between us. This is what broke up the Beatles, Susie. This was, this was his highest percentage this year. He shot, well, no, I'm sorry. Second highest, 37%. 37%. 37%. 37%. 
Second highest for this for a career. For a career. And then uh, the postseason, get ready. You know what he shot in the postseason, what? this postseason? 29%. Okay. Yeah. So that right there tells me you shouldn't be shooting threes in the postseason. 29%. You need to be going to the basket. We need to be trying to fight. If I'm Rick Carlisle, you're shooting 29%. I'm not. I, this is a series we can't wait for you to get off. We can't wait for you to find your stroke. In the regular season, you got you know seventy two games. Okay, it, the the numbers are going to play out a little bit and it's going to even out because you got enough games to try to get your shot going. Okay, but in the playoffs, you're shooting twenty nine percent under thirty percent. We got to find ways as a coach to get you to be effective. Post up, pick and roll between you and Luca. Make them make a decision because Luca's going to draw a lot of attention anyway. I mean, eight, he drew three or four people. Eight for twenty seven. Yeah, eight yeah. for twenty seven. What was Luca? Uh, give me a moment. Um, you know, he's looking that up. Rick yeah. Carlisle is considered one of the better coaches in the yeah. league, but he's had no playoff success since they won the title in 2011. They've been eliminated in the first round every series since then. So not all that. Well, great. Dirk's not walking through that door. No, anytime he was in the so crowd yesterday. Forty percent, forty percent in the and, playoffs. And okay, the, so forty percent in the playoffs. Yep. You want to know what he did for the season? For the, so he can shoot threes. You shoot 40% or higher, you're definitely a three-point yeah, shooter. Yeah, he was 35 during the regular okay. season, so he went up. Yes, yeah, he's a high-volume shooter, though. Yep. So he's going to have a nights where he gets, you know, 20 shots, okay? I, I can he live with— 30 shots yesterday. Yeah, I can live with Luka taking those shots. 17 for 30. That's above yeah. 50%. I, I yeah. can live with Luka it's, taking 30 it's shots. It's pretty obvious that they need another player. Yeah, because I mean, Hardaway is really their third option. He was awful yesterday, yeah, one he, for nine. Yeah, he was terrible yesterday. Yeah, and, and I mentioned Carlisle. He thought it was the 1970s because he went with the Twin Towers of, of Boban and Porzingis. You know, did you guys see the movie uh, John Wick 3 yes, where, yeah, where Boban yeah, was the hitman trying to kill him in the library? They the should library have given Bo Boban a gun or a knife because hey, that's the only way he was going to be able to guard anybody listen, in that game. His stats, he's 14 and 10. Let me he's tell you something. Let me tell you something. Yeah, but he Boban, Boban, Boban in small yeah. doses. Yeah, you got to be careful how you play him. But he played too many minutes. Yeah, they were playing him like he was Shaq. Yeah. And, and and so yeah. so so that's the, you had too much Bobon yesterday. Right. A little bit okay. too much. A little yeah, bit Boban. too much Bobon. Bring in Poe uh, Powell, uh, Dwight Powell, Dwight Powell, yeah, and bring him in. Played Give five some, minutes. Yeah, I mean, how about Keebler? He only uh, Kibler, He only played uh, nine minutes. Yeah, see, he those, was one of their those are guys main guys rotation. last year. But see, when you get into Game Seven. You, you kind of scrap all that. Yeah. I got to go with the guys I know. I'm going to go with these guys. And with Porzingis playing the way he did last night, what was his numbers, John? He was 0 for 5 from 3, but he was 6 for 12 overall. Well, yeah, well, which a is lot 6 of his, to 7. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of his stuff, though, was Boban hitting him underneath the basket off of screen rolls yeah. with Luka. He got about he got about like 8 points just off dunks around the basket because Boban was able to find him. But here's the problem with the Boban and, and Porzingis matchup. <laughs> because... Neither one of them really are defensive stoppers. Yeah, they're wearing concrete yeah. sneakers. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you're bringing two guys out there yeah. that are horrible defensive yeah. players, and that really hurts. They guys. shot fifty percent the Clippers, yeah. and they only and, and, and talking about what you said, the Clippers had twenty seven points off their bench. So like they were running guys like Man and but here's Bernard, the thing though with that you know now here's the thing now Lou Tyron Lou just realized he had a bench. He didn't play him. I saw he his didn't bench play against him. the Bucs. He like, yeah, he didn't play him at all early in the series. And that's why Luke and them were able to get out and win those games. He all of a sudden, because I kept saying, why isn't, you know, Kennard playing? You pay him $64 million as a free agent from, you know, Detroit, and you don't play him. 
you know, you're not playing man who is these young rookies who even though it's their first experience in the playoffs, they're going to come out with energy. Even if it's nervous energy, they're going to come out and play. And your team sometimes feeds off them. He's, man's a guy I would say, listen, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to play tonight. You're going to probably play about 15, 18 minutes. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to pressure the ball the whole time you're out there. I want you, I, I want you to be human deodorant. I want you to be in his armpits. I want you to be everywhere. Okay, just turn him over, make him have to work. And when you you have kids like that, man, they respond well to that, you know. And and sometimes like Lou realized, like, hey, you know what? We need some shooters. You know, with, <laughs> I think wait a minute, we got Luke Kennard. Damn, I didn't even know we had Luke Kennard on our team. Why didn't my coaches tell me, Luke? Come on, baby, we need you. Game seven, come on. And what does he do? Walks yeah. out there and drains threes. Yeah. That was the turning point in the game, both him and man. All right, we got our uh, guest standing by in the Sriracha Green Room. So before we do that, quick predictions. We didn't talk about the two upcoming series in the West. Who's going to win the Clippers-Utah series, Stacey? Uh, Utah. Okay, how many games? Uh, It may go seven, but I'm going to go with Utah. Utah is just, they're they're unbeatable at home. They're just unbeatable, and they shoot the ball extremely well. And that's the difference in the game right there. When they're, if they're making shots and the Clippers don't really have consistent shooters, that's going to be the difference. How about Denver-Phoenix? Uh, Denver's just too much. Uh, first of all, you got the Joker. I mean, you can't match up with the Joker. The Joker, <laughs> the Joker first of all, I'll tell you, man, if we were playing a pickup game and no one knew the Joker that he had any kind of talent, he would be the last person picked every single time. Yeah. No one would pick him. But you would never lose a game with a joker on your team. When you, when, Whenever you came back to that gym again, you're looking for the joker. Hey, man, we want you on my team. Joker, come on, man. You would, he'd be yeah. the first pick. And I, I just don't see them. They're playing extremely well. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is making the 13 other teams that didn't pick him regret not picking him. He's going to be an all-star. He's a stud. Uh, he is really having a phenomenal playoffs right now, and he's shooting the ball extremely well. We're going to take you back to the Bulls' glory years, the championship Woo! era with our special guest, Al Vermeil, the longtime Al! strength coach of the champion Chicago Bulls. That's coming up next on Give Me the Hot Sauce. So, so Al, you were you were really ahead of your time as far as the tech, the technology of sports medicine is concerned. I mean, all the things you how you used to record players and and have data on players from when they came into the league to if the Bulls was interested in trading for a player, you know, eight years down the road, you still had data to compare when that player was was acquired by the Bulls or the Bulls were thinking about acquiring that Bulls. So talk a little bit about that and your data and, and the things that you used to do behind the scenes that no one really knows about. Well, what what I did when I was with the 49ers, I saw how they were testing guys at that time and they had strings attached to them to accelerate, very crude. So I started and my former partner, Don Chu and I, the plyometric godfather of America, we started to build a timing device. And when I bought the business outright and moved to Chicago, I had a company there finish it. And so what I would do, I like, for example, when you came in, I tested how you jump with no, no counter movement. Then you'd go up and down the normal vertical, repeat, change direction and speed. And we test flexibility. And each year we added different things. We, we've, we started to see people couldn't squat. So we started to see if they could squat, if they could, do certain things. 
Well, what it gave us is the years later, uh, when we went to get John Sally, I had all his test data. So I could look that back up and I'm, I'm getting senile. So please bear with me. And the other young man that unfortunately passed away. Oh, Bison Daly. He, he, that wasn't his name when he was with the Bulls. Is Brian Williams? Brian Williams. He's a nice young man. And we tested him. Well, they hadn't deteriorated. Their, their, their numbers, they still could jump. They still could run. They could still do all those things. Conversely, we would look at guys in the draft. In one year, we early years, before you were there, we looked at a, a guy that ended up getting drafted, number one, and he'd had a leg injury. Well, I tested him. And I could see there was a significant difference from one leg to the other and how we looked and tested him. We left him alone, and then he got drafted by another team, and they paid him a lot of money relative to 1987. And the money wasn't of great value to him because he didn't turn out to be a player. And so we would look at trades. Every time we traded for somebody, I got to do the evaluation, and I presented my material, and then Jerry – who was extremely supportive of the program and of me, both Jerry's, they uh, would look at that and then weigh the pros and cons, whether they would take someone. And, uh, and then when we got someone, even if they took them and they weren't ready, then we would test them after they train and we could show some improvement in them. So it was, it, it, it was technology. Basically it was a mat and and then we had a timing, uh, what I call photo cells for speed and change of direction. So now that's all wireless. Everybody's got it. It's wireless. It's much more sophisticated. And, and but the the information is still the same. And one of the interesting things we did, we would have you guys jump, and I would look at how long you were on the ground relative to the height, and that's called the reactive strength index. And I started doing that when I last year's with the 49ers. I did, we didn't give it a name, and someone in Australia finally gave it a name in, in the early 90s. But what it did, it said, let's say if you had a regular vertical jump of 24 inches, and I had you repeat jump, and you jumped 24 inches, but let's say each jump you were on the ground three-tenths of a second, your score would be very poor. So what you were looking for, someone who could repeat jump close to the regular jump height, but keep the contact time down. And then, so, and then we would train it. We would actually train, not all everybody, but certain guys that needed to jump quicker. So we would do things like that. And that's basically what we did. And I have all the data still. And I actually have all the video still. I kept wow. all it. I kept all it. I've got all the books, the videos, of all, all, everybody we tested. And uh, it was always interesting to me, because coming from football, I was used to film that we videoed everybody. And for a long time, the bulls would bring these players in and they'd get them on the floor, not video them. And I never could quite, cause your eyes deceive you. And everybody start, okay, how this guy compared to the, well, wait a minute. If you put it up there in a, it's like golf swing. Here's your before and after. Unfortunately, my before and after looks the same as before. <laughs> <laughs> it may look worse. But anyway, that, that, that's what we did. And, and I really have to credit Jerry Krause because uh, at times he was under pressure from certain people, as you know, about the way I did things. And he and Jerry Reinstorf stood behind. They knew what they wanted to get done. And uh, that allowed us to have whatever contribution myself and Eric made. It, there, it was their support that really made the difference. And, and the other thing was, and people don't believe me, 
it was your guy's work ethic. People said, how'd you get those guys to buy in? How'd you get them? I said, first of all, they wanted to win. I said, I didn't come in there and give them one of my high school pregame talks. I said, that's a long season. That's not going to last. I said, professional athletes, and Bill Walsh taught me this. He actually taught me on the highlight film because he was saying after we won the Super Bowl in 82, he said, there's been hardline coaches, there's been softline coaches. He said, what players look for, are you competent? Do you know what you're doing? And you guys realized that we were structured, that we put a lot of thought into your programs, and we worked with you individually, and you trusted us. And that's the great thing my brother Dick said. You trusted us, and you bought in. And so it wasn't like people are looking for some magic formula. I said, be competent, be trustworthy. The other thing is, don't let wins and losses affect you. You've got to walk in that room, whether it's the off-season, in-season, whatever it is, you got to have a smile on your face. I see sometimes strength coaches, uh, our coach in general, if you allow the losses to affect you too so much, the players pick up on that real quick. They pick up on your body language. And I worked for a guy at Kansas State. His name was Vince Gibson. And, uh, in fact, we beat Oklahoma 59 to 21. That okay. Day. Okay. That's a call for Al. Okay. Yeah, you, okay. Just, you just got off topic. Okay, yeah, cheap, topic. cheap shot. Anyway, <laughs> Vince, Vince always said, when the coaches, when the players get down, the coaches got to be up. And I don't think you ever remember us ever being in that. that in the Never. Long, you know, I, I, the world's and, and you and I have experienced out, things outside of basketball that really, uh, make you understand what's really important in life. And uh, so I, I just think the positive attitude, and even if players weren't working with me, I never shunned them. I never, you know, I said, keep the lines of communication open. They're growing men. They are not. And I said, they don't do things if they don't believe in it. And that was, and, uh, you know, I go back to you, though. The success we had People said, do you have a hard time coaching? I said, no, Stace, do this. Horace, I want you to do this. You know, your technique here. He said, they did it? Yeah. I said, I said the problem, you people going in and you don't, you, you treat them different. My brother Dick told me, he said, coaching at all levels are relative. And, and people say, I said, I was a high school coach in the NBA. I'm a high school football coach. I use the same person. I didn't change. You, you When you went to the NBA, you were still Stacy. And yeah. some, pe some people think they have to be more sophisticated or, you know, whatever it may be. And I just think being yourself is the most important thing. And you guys uh, really bought in. And, and what people don't realize, we used to go out to the forest preserve <laughs> to run tempo. Yeah. And we never did long distance. We'd, do, we'd run for 20 seconds, walk 50 yards, run for 40 seconds walk 50 we do a few set a few reps of that and then we walk 115 and the forest preserve what people didn't realize those surfaces weren't flat and i think one of the things that may have helped lead to lesser injuries is you're all everybody plays on these sanitary floors today now you go out there and it's a little uneven you people don't realize you're training you're training your stability all the time and plus it was outside yeah. you're in that gym and of course, then the great thing is we had the VSFO from the golf course. Oh, the oh, VSF. God. Then we'd have dinner over at my house and you'd get to telling stories. We'd have more fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the other, 
the, the, the one thing the one thing I always remembered was like you know, especially after that loss to the Pistons uh, after my rookie year when Scotty had the migraine headache, you know, I, I thought that after that game, we all started coming in as a group because we used to come in two a time, three at a time. We all started showing up together after that loss. And then that kind of propelled us, uh, the team, to, to winning championships. It brought us together. Um, we trusted each other. We believed in each other. But, you know, it wasn't the same before because you had little clicks, you know, two guys over here, three guys over here. But after that loss, it kind of brought us together. And we worked out together. We showed up at the Berto Center together and, and we ran tempos together. It was really, really the changing of the culture. Yes. And that is a credit to you guys. That is a direct credit. You, you saw, you all realized to take it to that next level, to beat the Pistons, you knew what you had to do and you and BJ and all those guys and Will and, and, uh, and Scott Williams, all those guys came in and Pax and Billy and Pip, you realized what it took and you're right. You came together. And that's the one thing people don't realize the harder you work, the harder it is surrender. You all came in and worked. And I don't remember anybody coming in with an ulterior motive or a, non-positive attitude to get the job done it just that wasn't your guy's style and uh, and i think that's you're right it's not only what we did it's how you went about it and you built that camaraderie and then you know for those three years that team was damn unbeatable yeah yeah it's true um i always tell people that you know when we play we we're going to those championship years we had the least at least amount of games missed as a whole. I mean, we had, we had some older guys, Pax, we had Bill Cartwright, but we, we missed the least amount of games in those championship runs. And that's when we were stayed healthy. And then we, you know, I attributed to the VSF program because all of us consistently working out, consistently getting our bodies strong for the battles that were ahead for us. And uh, you and Eric were a big part of that. So shed light about that to our fans that are listening. Well, I think it's like anything else. One of the first things studies have proven, and you know it intuitively. See, a lot of things I did, Stacy, were intuitive because I'd been in the NFL. I'd coached at all levels. And if you lose your maximum strength, then you start to have patella tendonitis. You start to have joint problems. You kept a level of strength kind of th I look at the NBA season like the Indianapolis 500 and those engines are finely tuned and they got to stay tuned for that 500 well you were all finely tuned and you came in at least twice a week and worked out you maintained your strength you didn't have a big everybody dropped some but if if you start low or baseline that's all you have now you're going to lose more and the studies later on have proven and I've, I've got one that some guys you you've heard the guy come in the weight room i don't need to lift i can jump yes yeah. they have great tendons they can do this well the problem when you rely on your tendons and you play in the nba pretty soon those tendons get overused because you don't have the strength and a maximal strength and power behind it, especially the maximal strength. So when you lose your maximum strength, you start to get tendon injuries. The other thing I contributed to, you remember that old circuit we used to do? The crabs yeah. on the floor? Yep. 
I, you took and put your bodies in different position than the game exposed you to. And the other thing, that old circuit didn't look like much, but that was hard work. Yeah. And, 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 and that burst for 30 seconds and then rest for 30 and all those things. And then running the temple, it was in the medicine ball. It was a combination. You remember the medicine ball? We do yep. big circles. So your body was exposed to other movement patterns that you wouldn't see in everyday games. They may occur. So your bodies were uh, what they would call stability today, training, were exposed to all that. You know, and today the buzzword is core. Well, every time you lifted a weight, your core strength. Every time you threw a medicine ball, your core strength. Every time you did that circuit, you're, you're, these things work, but they were working in a dynamic fashion. And I think the other thing is when you have people that work that hard, I think there's a period during the season where some guys that didn't have that, well, I'm injured. I'm going to, you know. You yeah. guys, you, you guys, oh, absolutely. I, I can play through this. So I think it's a combination. I think Phil did a good job of managing. I think he did a good job. Chipper in the, in the training room did a good job. So I, I think the coaches, I think it was a, con, a conglomeration of all of us working together. And that's what wins championships. And that's, as Jerry Krause said, um, I forget, what I can't think of the correct word. He got some heat for it organizations win well he's really right because it was the organization of all of us wanting to accomplish one goal and i think that's what really makes the difference thank you al that's, that's random Great to hear from Alvar Meal, Stacy and the Stinger handling that interview. I was at Bears practice and while they were doing that, so they, they cut me out of that, so I got edited out. But you know what? Back at covering the team in those days, really enjoyed talking with Al and his assistant Eric Helen. Great guys. And every time I see the Wisconsin basketball team playing the NCAA mm -hmm. tournament, there's Eric on the bench doing a good job. He's a great guy. Yeah, awesome. Um, Eric was young. He was a young guy. So oh, yeah. He came yeah. in. He might have been a few years older than me. And um Really helped. I mean, really was instrumental, both him and Al in, in those championship years, um, especially after we lost to the Pistons in that, um, you know, 89-90 uh, season. And then we all committed to um, committed to the VSF program, Vermeil Sports and Fitness. <laughs> so we all committed to it, you know, and um, that kind of was the turning point. Like, you know, before we had our little clicks, like one or two people over here, three over here. We didn't work out as a team, but that after that loss to Detroit, we were all committed to doing it together. Right. So we came in, we'd meet at like ten o'clock in the morning. We do the you know the meal sports and fitness uh, you know <laughs> program. We go run tempos in the forest preserves. I mean, we, we just we'd have lunch at Al's house, or we go to Carson's ribs that were over in Deerfield, which is one of my favorite places. Um, but yeah, it brought us together, and then that was a turning point, and uh, we started winning championships. Yeah, and everybody is, bought in. And this is uh, the photo he sent me. This image, yeah, Ernie Kibler, because yeah, yeah. I, I gave yeah. him the nickname <laughs> Ernie Keebler from yeah. the from the Keebler Elves. That was Al's nickname right there. So you saw a little Ernie Keebler. I got to tell you, two things that impressed me: his ability to recall and tell oh. stories, his his affection. He just loved the king. 
In the, I have that effect on a lot of people. You do, but he... <laughs> I, I prefer to be on women, though, yeah. not guys. But, but I prefer to be on but women. The other thing he gave us, he gave us the Ernie Keebler, but he was able to produce that video, the clean and snatch. Oh, yeah. That's making its way around. Yes. Like, it was literally within minutes he, was, he sent that to me. That's impressive that he has that catalog. He has all the tapes, and he references it, how he, if the Bulls brought a guy in that they didn't draft, he had the video, and then when they brought the guy in, because they all, you know, that's how Krauss worked, you know, they would compare the video. Who, who do you man. think would, would get more words in a conversation between him and his brother Dick Vermeil, the Super Ooh, Bowl champion? We talked about they, Dick. Because they love to talk. Yeah, it would be, would be Al, Al would get more words in. Al would get more in. Yeah, Al would get more in. Al was unfazed, because I was going off, going on, you know, he, this guy's calling me whispers because I, I couldn't. He's like, ask whispers, a question. Come on now. I was like, whispers, come on, yourself. baby. Yeah, ask I'm, a question. I'm just wondering where the saddle shoes came from. That was <laughs> my, that's my mystery. There it is. You know, yeah, okay, buddy. Your comments are not going unnoticed. But how about but, those plates came from? He had but, two big wagon wheels yeah, on each you know side. What? I just want to say, hey, America. <laughs> America, back in those days, I was super strong, and I'm still pretty super strong now. I got that old man strength. Let me ask you a question. You know, and they do the combine. Thank you. Thank you, And uh, a buddy of mine works for Mark Schlereff. Yes. You know, and he work, he's a lifter like I am. He's like, dude, you have oh, no idea. Geez, lifter like lifter I like am. Lifter like I am. <laughs> he's like, no, but he said. That's the <laughs> ultimate endorsement. Oh, my God. No, but I mean, I, 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 to his I, can throw the, I can throw wagon wheels around. Okay, 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 but, Popeye. But it's a different type of, this Little guy, Schlurf, came in to the weight room one day. He's unfazed. He just he, keeps going. Well, because you, the story is the, the crazy strength. He's on he that was TV still benching <laughs> at 45, 50 years old. He put the two big wagon wheels on, and, and my buddy yeah. Barry was like, dude, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was 25, boom, boom, boom. And I just wanted to ask the king, what was your record for uh, 225 benching? Do you remember? Uh, let me tell you, I was in a 400-pound club, bro. I, I know, but but they always reference the in the combine. How many times? Oh, can you, I could do two, two uh, 225, like 25 times easily. Easily. That's crazy. But it's for but a I, basketball but I, player. But, I don't but, know. And we have longer arms. I mean, so yeah. you, I mean, my my arms are so super long that I got to push. Like you, you got like a little alligator arm. So you like, <laughs> <laughs> like you're like a rabbit. <laughs> I'm also about so, <laughs> three three times less weight than you too. No, we're talking about, we're just talking about. Yeah, back but in I, the day, I can though. lift more of my weight. I mean. But see, but I was back, back in the day when I was in my great shape, I was probably about 230. So, so I'm throwing up like some serious. 400 serious pound weight. club? You mean yes. you bench 400 pounds? Bench 400. Yes. All right. Guess how much BJ bids? <laughs> How much? BJ did over like 325. Yeah. No way. See, me, yeah. let me tell you a quick you story. Forget, you, you know, that's no, quick story. Guys, you know. Quick story. Chip Schaefer, the trainer who used to be the, on the Bulls uh, training staff, yeah. he's, he's there now. He's there now. He's, he's their sports and uh, he's their fitness guy now. He does all the weight training and the rehabs and stuff. So, so we're in <laughs> we're in the uh, championship series against uh, the Lakers, the first championship. So we're staying in uh, we're staying in Marina Del Rey at the Ritz Carlton. So Chip says, hey, after shoot-around, we're going to go work out, da-da-da. So we always used to tease Chip because Chip was a runner. So Chip would, you know, be out running 10 miles, you know. And he had these little, those little girl shorts on, those little, <laughs> you know, the ones that you can see, you can see his pack and say, come on, buddy, put some clothes on. Put I wasn't, I'm not looking. Time. Well, but... hey, buddy, you know what I'm talking about. The little running little can, track shorts. You can hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so we always would tease him. Like, so he's like, you guys, he'd always say, like, you guys want to make fun of somebody. I yeah. bet I can lift more than you. I'm like, dude, get out of here. Not anybody who wears these shorts, you can not bench more than me and BJ. So we go down there. It's a challenge accepted. 
So we go in there, and Chip normally didn't lift weights. He just did, like, the bands. He'd do the bands and stuff. He yeah. was doing that kind of stuff. So there's no way in the world Chip could beat us. So me and BJ was like, all right, let's go. So he put the weight on. You know, he started off with, like, 185. Like, three times. He did it. I was impressed. Because I was like, a guy who wears those little girly shorts could throw up 185. <laughs> I'm impressed. So we go, we go to, like, 215. Three of them. Boom, boom, boom. He does it easily. I'm like, I'm like, wow, I'm impressed. He's pretty strong for this little dude that wears these little track shorts. <laughs> so we go up to 230. 230. Boom, boom, three. He hammers him out. I mean, I'm looking at BJ like, uh -oh. man, we might be in some trouble here. This dude's pretty strong. So we get up to like 275. BJ drops out. He's like, I'm not hurting my shoulder. I got to play tomorrow. Blah, blah, blah. So he drops out. So I'm like, there's no way in the world Chip's going to do 275. So I do 275. Blah, blah, blah. Here comes Chip. Easy 275. I'm sitting there like, okay, because I struggled on the third one. I was tired. My chest was burning. I was, I was tired. So Chip does it easily. And I'm like, this dude is pretty freaking strong. This is this is impressive because he's not that big. Chip's probably like 5'8", but he was he was in little wiry dude. So we got like three three oh five. All right, this is where I'm gonna drop him off now. This is where now you in the you in the you in the, <laughs> Thanks you in the for playing our yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Now you in the deep end, buddy, with the with the orca whale. And we're now no longer playing in the fishbowl. So we go up three oh five. Wow, I'm 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 a little slower now. <laughs> okay, I get it up. Here comes Chip. No struggle at all. Okay. Now I'm nervous. Because I'm saying, okay, where are we going to go to now? Well, let's, let's go, let's go uh, 325. I'm like, okay. I'm in the 400-pound club, so I'm not really worried. But I'm not, I've been practicing. I just got out of practice. I'm tired. He was just sitting over there, so he's fresh. So I'm like, okay, good. He's no way in the world to go do 325. Pride has got me pushing the weight up. Pride only. So I get it up. And my elbows started to burn. I'm like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. So Chip gets up there, 325. I'm done. I said, because the next way was the next way was gonna be like 340, and I wasn't gonna let him beat me. So I I, I threw in a towel right there. Good job, Chip. Hey man, you're stronger than what I thought. And I was like, there's no because if I would have let him beat me and BJ saw that, we'd have it had been talked on. It the, sounds like the, he did the though. Train. No, he didn't. No, he okay. Didn't. No, he didn't. Because I because I, I got up three twenty five. I got up three twenty five. Sounds like you struggled though. Let me didn't. just tell you something, buddy. You know what? I it was tied. We we called it a tie because I stopped at three twenty five, and then he really wanted to stop. We got to get Chip on the on the show. Yeah, I'm gonna oh, get yeah, Chip on absolutely. the show. I'm gonna get him on the show. I'm gonna get him on the show. But he's. Okay. He, I was amazed at his strength. I yeah. could not believe those that a bands. Guy, Maybe it was those bands. I, I just could not believe a guy his size and you know a guy yeah. who's just a runner. You know, yeah. I mean, seriously, when you yeah. see a guy you know running, he runs ten miles a day. Yeah. And he just got a runner's body. Yeah. Runs little marathons. Don't sleep on. I those could runners. not believe how strong Chip Schaefer was, and that that really made me feel good. So if we ever got into a fight <laughs> on the bench. I knew Chip could handle his business. Chip yeah. had th throwing up three. He probably threw up three, three seventy five easily. Yeah. No, but we had the baddest team in the in the league. We got our trainer can fight. Our players can fight. We're not losing. Tex was packing, <laughs> and, Jay, and Johnny Bach was packing. Johnny Bach had a twenty two Derringer. He had a Derringer in his boot. Okay, so if the, we had it all covered. So you yeah. weren't messing with the Bulls, baby. No. <laughs> 
Great stories from the championship era of the Bulls. Hey, you know, it was a great sports weekend. Let's talk about that next on Rapid Fire. Let's do that next okay. on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Give me the gun. <laughs> you want the gun? I want the I gun. gun. Hold on, I'm going to give you the gun. You ready? We'll get him in the next segment. <laughs> oh, he missed the moment. <laughs> It is time for rapid fire here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. And I know that Stinger's got the rifles ready. Yeah, we love that. Of course, we keep track of everything going on in the world of sports with our good partners at Bubble Up. Bubble Up, Bubble the up. cloud reimagined, the new way to visually organize any kind of content all in one place. So make sure you download the Bubble Up app today and get yourself organized. We've been having a lot of fun watching the women's softball tournament, the College World Series going on Sooners. right now. And the Oklahoma Sooners, we are recording this on Monday afternoon. And right now, Oklahoma is playing James Madison for a spot in the College World Series championship. Stacy's going to be a little bit distracted in this segment, I think. Listen, anytime a Sooner team is playing right now, <laughs> I have to stop doing what I'm doing. But you know what? I'm a team player right now, so I'm doing my, my little podcast right now. So the Sooner women are going to have to wait. John, you want to update the score for us? Yeah, well, no, I don't. But what I, <laughs> what I do want to do is talk about the amazing athleticism of the, the girl that pitches for James Madison, Alexander, that dive she made to tag out the run at home plate, the photo bombing of coaches. Yeah, that's been the fun. The perfect game. The girl uh, shotgunning a bottle of water yeah, behind the coach interview. To that me, was fun. I do a huge softball event. It's out in California every year. I've been doing it for 11 years. It's called Perfect uh, Premier Girls Fast Pitch. It is a, Susan Southside's involved in it. It is unbelievable fun. Great softball. The best of the best go out there. And I, I don't know, I, for an entertainment value, this is, this is as good as it. The game moves along, and it's a lot of fun. You said your daughters played, right? My, both my daughters played. They they uh, they went went yeah. They played in high school. They played uh, travel ball. We they played in Oklahoma. King Stacy was uh, Susan Southside was down play at that stadium, right? Yeah, bought a cowboy hat in Oklahoma. <laughs> Not an Oklahoma State cowboy hat, just no. a regular you, cowboy you, hat. You went too far, Susan. <laughs> wow, you know you went too far. You, you don't buy have boots, to buy right? a cowboy hat to fit in in Oklahoma. You just went uh, that too just far. makes you all hat, no cattle. <laughs> Oh, my God. This guy here. All right. I'm gonna, Welcome to the party here. I'm going to kill the guns here on uh, Whispers. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's, let's move on to the professional ranks. The Chicago White Sox still Sit in down, first girl. place. Oh, I'm sorry. Four-game lead in the American League Central over the Cleveland somebody, yeah. Indians. They Ooh. showed off their brand-new alternate uniforms, their city edition. Oh, yes. The south side, the pinstripe, nice chai on the cap. Oh. Those are sweet, aren't they? I know they, what show it, I'm going to tell you something. They are sweet. They're, yeah, they're sweeter. I just have a knockoff. Yeah, she she got that from uh, that's the same thing as Michael Jordan. You guys see Tony Larusa wearing Michael his hat Jordan. sideways during the game, yeah. trying to be cool. That, yeah, he, those he, are nice. I'd like to get up. Get one here. I'll show you. I'll share the screen. So show show the authentic jersey, yeah, right there. and then go sweet. back to Susan's knockoff. Oh no! All right, look look at that. That yeah, is sweet. That's sweet. That, they look like a bunch of hitmen right there. Now go back to Susan's. No, no. I want to see Susan's. Somebody sold Susan this right here. It's the same person. That's out of who, the back of the car. Look look look. Yeah. South side. She bought that at a swap meet, and. Um, you know, it's the same one that sold. You know, they have the Michael Jordan uh, knockoff jerseys. got a couple jerseys, blankets with uh, it, too. Michael Jordans, uh, <laughs> NyQuil Jordans. Yeah, they got cool. all those knockoff jerseys over there. Hey, don't worry, you know. King. 
I went on the official website and I got her at Southside. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Wow. This ain't yeah, nice. this yep. is, now, let me tell you something, America. Yep. That means something right there because John Walsh does not like to spend <laughs> money. He, he, I'm telling you, you know, his arms, and when it's time to pay for something, it's like a, he's a T Rex. He can't reach to get his <laughs> means, pockets. He's like means this. he did well, something wrong last weekend. <laughs> well, there's also one thing you know about me. I'm a traditional, a traditional when it comes to uniforms and That's true. That's things that wearing a red. Yankee hat. Now he's wearing a blue Bulls hat. And I just want people to know that. See, that's it right there. This hasn't changed since Ted Williams back in the day, Babe Ruth. And I just want to go. This is from the 2004 right World Series. I know I'm taking a little bit of time, but I just wanted to share a couple of photos. Here I am on the field, 2004 stage manager. You look like a creep, wow. right? You have a mustache and a beard. Here, yeah, I did. Here I am in the Red Sox dugout. Look at him. In he the had dugout. to register. Look, look, look. He had to register before yeah, I went look, to the look, 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 look at him. You can tell. Hey, look at that picture, man. Have you seen man. this man? Have you seen this man? He's on a milk carton. Now, see, he's not supposed to be in there. He's Bobby Valentine. That's right. Here's me with a couple couple mass holes right here. Oh, there you go. Back it up. Back it up so we can see your face. Again, that's mass holes. The mass holes. Not that. Not See. Just hanging out with Ben for, for game one, oh the World Series. So, okay, all right. Yeah, traditionalist. The high, one so. of the highlights of John. You know, every time yeah. we do the show, it's like show and tell. He's yeah. got like a cargo of stuff he brings in, yeah. you know. <laughs> got to keep it moving. You know, visual. And, and America, it's a visual and, meaning. And, and yeah. America, since, you know, we're on YouTube now, as you can see, John has switched hats like four times. Yeah. Now, so, yeah, you know, is, yeah, now, he's got his, now he's got this his boss fitted. in. He's got his boss. But, you know fitted what? one. I'm a person that likes style and color, and yeah. I like the mats. So today, I'm wearing a navy blue shirt with a blue Bulls hat because I rep the Bulls no matter what. So if I would have had a white one on, I would have had a white with red and black. You know, I like the mats. He likes to talk about my Yankees. So I'm a Yankees fan. Okay, America. I love the socks, but I'm a Yankees fan. They're they're not red though. They don't. Wear I don't red. care, John. Hey, tell the story about the White Sox. They're gonna send you. A oh. Yeah, special love for the White Sox. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. they're sending yeah. me. They're sending me nice the uh, city, the city, city edition, edition. Nice. Uh, wow. fitted hat from New Era. I appreciate Beautiful. the White Sox taking care of me. They always take care of me. Cubs, you know, you used to take care of me. Now. <laughs> After you won the World Series, you don't know me anymore. I mean, I sang the seventh inning stretch out there twice. You, you know, pick. I got the I got the pitch out there through the through the first pitch out through nothing but gas. I know. No. I know. Mark's trying to wrap us real quick, but no, this go ahead. this was the ultimate. I was in Fenway for game one and two. This oh is before God. game two. Mark, oh, wrap it up. What this year was this? This what is year 2004. Was oh, thank you for coming out, ladies the and gentlemen. Patriots will get Burton ready to win 20, 22 consecutive games. Oh they had lobster in the press box. I had lobster. And so you were eating lobster. I was eating lobster. I'm watching the Patriots oh win a record oh, 22 no. games in okay. a row before game two of the World Series. Okay. Well, 2004. People that are listening to the podcast yeah. without seeing yeah. the photos are going, what yeah. the hell are those guys we're doing? We're on YouTube. Yeah, one, of these days, one of these days, he's going to actually bring a bad photo up here, like him taking a shower, <laughs> you know, with a shower cap on. And uh, we don't want to see that. Okay. So I need to proofread these pictures from here on out, John. <laughs> Well, we want to congratulate so Tony LaRussa <laughs> on winning another game over the weekend that took him to number two on the all-time list behind Connie Mack. Connie he Mack. passed John McGraw, number two on the all-time list. So even though Tony looked a little bit odd wearing his hat sideways and trying to fit in with hey, the he's a player. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> he's a player. Don't be a player hater, Mark. Congratulations okay. to Tony LaRussa, number two all-time. Yes. Hey, we got a friend of the program standing by, so let's take a quick time out and bring him in here as we talk... With a friend of Stacy's next on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Sriracha. Give Me the Hot Sauce.
final segment of Give Me the Hot Sauce. This is where we dish some dirt. It's called On the Download. We're going to take you behind the scenes of the podcast. We just spent about a half hour trying to get Stacy's good buddy, uh, Master Luke 76, if you've seen him on Twitter. And you know what? He went down just like the Knicks did. He's like the, <laughs> he, he's like, he's like the world's oh. number one Knicks fan. And he was, he was talking trash when they won that first game oh, wow. of the series against Atlanta, and then yes. they went down in four straight, and we we couldn't get his technical stuff. No, in, you know? he wasn't prepared. Yeah. All that trash talking, again, <laughs> his Knicks went one series longer than the Bulls did. And I, t- I just talked to him this morning. I said, hey, look, you know, you're a friend of the program. We're yes. going to get you on the show. Good guy. He was so excited, and yeah. he couldn't even get his, his internet working or his mic working or his uh It's audio, speaker. visual, yeah. Master Lighting. Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, needs, he needs some help. And he was there. in a darkened room like it was witness oh. protection, too. You know? Oh, was it Liberty Mutual? <laughs> he, was doing a, he was shooting a live Liberty Mutual commercial in one of his rooms. I'm like, man, you got any light in there? Turn the light on. Are you hiding from the IRS? One fan for the Knicks that did join our show, member Mark Seguro. Yes, Staten yes. Island. I did. He did touch base with me. He said that was the most fun for him, uh, the Knicks since '94, '99. That stretch. So well, they got a lot of yeah. cap space. So we'll yeah. see what they're able to do in the offseason. Yeah, a lot of but. people climb out of the gutter and they started winning. <laughs> they're all jumping back on the bandwagon. Go New York, go! <laughs> yeah, it, it was great yeah. environment at the Garden. It was yeah. full. Hey, Mar- Marv came. Marv came back because of that. Yeah, he went he and did really? a game, and and I, I'm inside scoop here. I know you like the inside stories, yes. Mark. Yeah. Well, Turner had had everybody in Atlanta, and they had everybody set up for the whole playoff run. Well, apparently Marv went to the Garden, loved it so much that now they're changing their flo- Everybody's now back on the road, you know, just because of Marv. So Marv made everybody now. They had all these. Oh, they rented There'll out. There'll be hotels. better broadcasts with, oh, this, with the announcers on site. No, no doubt, question. but it's yeah. amazing. It's it, good for Marv and good for because well, he's a legend. He's yeah. retiring, right? right? But I mean, like you said, instead of calling games from Atlanta, let's get people there on mm-hmm. the court and the camera uh, crews. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, know. because it, it brings it brings much more to the broadcast. Oh being my God. There, You know, we, we had that shot of him the other night when we were recording with him and uh, Reggie Miller, I believe it was. Yeah. And it's just awesome. It's Marv and the garden behind him. That's what you need. There's no That's question about need. it. That's and all the need. sports, the broadcast is looking to get back on site. Uh, you know, Stace, the old uh, saying that you'll do anything for your kids. I understand you made a purchase oh. uh, that didn't exactly live up to the billing last night. $50. <laughs> Down, Down the drain. Down the drain. <laughs> I could have went to the casino. Yeah. I could have done a lot of different things, you know. I could have got a nice dinner. Could have went to dinner. Yeah. Could have used that fifty bucks to buy me a nice piece of uh, uh, a steak. That's what my boy Timmy whispers. So I was disappointed. So I, 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 my my kids, you know, they normally come over. I only see my kids. When it's time for UFC fights, <laughs> free food. Yeah, yeah he had know. a party going on. Yeah. I called. He had people. Yeah. They so were, yeah, they, yeah, they they only come over when they when they was free food or UFC fights. Pay-per-view. So so or pay per view. So yeah. they called me up. They said, "Hey, Dad, are you going to get the fight? You know, Floyd Mayweather and and Logan Paul." I said, "Absolutely not. Yeah, it's trash. I'm not going to spend. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to spend. You know, fifty, sixty bucks. That's on not that what fight. you told me. Okay. So so anyway, before I was really interrupted. Um, so they, he said, well, come on, my youngest son, come on, dad, buy it. Let's, we'll come over. We'll, we'll have pizza. I'm like, well, who's buying the pizza? Yeah, you are. Oh, you are. <laughs> like, oh, oh, so I'm, I'm a host the party. Buy this, this ridiculous fight. And, and don't forget me. the drinks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I buy the fight. Yeah. 
Worst fight I've ever seen. <laughs> it was, it's, listen, I'm a big boxing fan. I'm a big, you know, combat sport fan. I'm a big, more MMA fan. But Floyd Mayweather is on a money grab right now. Oh, yeah. You know. That's his nickname. It, it's, it's, I mean, I'm a big Floyd Mayweather fan when he was boxing. And to me, I just feel like you're tarnishing your, you know, your legacy mm-hmm. by doing these kind of events for the money. You know, you don't look the same. You don't box the same. You're an older boxer now. And this kid, Logan Paul, was so crazy. You know, he's only had, this was his second professional fight. He lost to another YouTuber, okay? Now you want to <laughs> challenge Floyd Mayweather, who he arguably considers himself the greatest boxer of all time. TBE, the best ever, okay? Now, you would think that he would have walked in that ring and beat the crap out of this kid and yeah. you know, just because of his, his pure boxing skills alone. The guy went eight rounds with him. <laughs> didn't knock him down one time. Yeah. Didn't really hurt the kid. And you know, a lot of people say, Well, Logan Paul was bigger than Floyd. A boxer should be able to Wait. beat a, a non-boxer eight real rounds or were they fake? it was it was to me it was like uh it was their fake rounds yeah. um um I, I thought floyd mayweather was just in there clowning you know and i mean i saw him fight conor mcgregor that was a real fight because conor was trying to win yeah and so he was he really had to fight to beat conor mcgregor but this was a joke this is just like you know basically fighting some guy off the street and say hey come on the ring let's go a few rounds that Pretty kind of thing show. yeah this it was and I think he got twenty five million for doing wow. it. He got your yeah. money. Yeah. Did, you, did you buy uh, the the Tyson Roy Jones thing? No, I know. Yeah. And the only reason why I didn't buy that one, it wasn't because by choice. It was because Comcast was having a hard time getting it because my kids wanted that fight. Of course, and that they was, did. Yeah. And I was so glad that Comcast couldn't work it out. Where where for some reason in our area it didn't come in clearly, so they I, yeah. I didn't have to pay for it. Which I think was awesome. he called me in a panic. I remember that yeah. a nine one one panic trying to help him out with the cable. I was like his cable guy. Well, I, I might over. have to go over to Stacy's house to watch these fights because no. yeah. we don't get them at my well, house. You know, it's your it's your house. You know. Well, here's the thing. You know. Here's the thing. I've got two quick stories. Reason why I don't buy fights. Number one, we bought the I don't know if you remember George Foreman made his comeback against Jerry Cooney, and a guy like I loved loved Cooney. He loved Foreman too, but he's big. So he bought the fight. It was like fifty bucks back in like ninety. And he gets a pizza delivered, and he turns and gets a pizza, and he takes a bite. And George Foreman gave this guy one of his, you know, roundhouse and knocked out Cooney, and that was it. That was, that was it, like yeah. the second round. Number two, we bought the uh, Tyson Holyfield fight. The first round was the great. This was at your brother's yep. greatest fight ever. The first round, second round he bit his ear. That was it, and we were left going, "Wow, we got ripped." Well, that was good drama there. That you got your drama, money's worth yeah. on that. Yeah. Listen, what, what could have been, but the bad ones were that when Tyson was knocking out those bums in, le- in less than a minute. So you, all yeah, the hey, buildup came. I like those down, too. I'd, I'd rather have that than him bite some guy in the ear. <laughs> listen, I, I listen. I, I like the drama. I mean, I'll pay for a Tyson fight in his prime, even if it only lasted 30 seconds. You know, I, I that's just I think that was just one of those things. You just like, oh, how fast is he going to beat this guy? Yeah. You know, that's what you were thinking. Michael when you were buying the, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, 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 was, well, he was scared, though. He was that dude looked like a deer in headlights. <laughs> he looked like what I would look like if I was in the ring with Tyson and he's a professional fighter. Yeah. He literally was like, like, you know, boo. <laughs> he fell down. Yeah. He's yeah. giving a standing eight count. Yeah. He got a standing. He, he really just said boo, you yeah. know, but. 
Uh, with those I, black shoes, no uh, socks no, on. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, and no, no, no robe. Yeah. No robe coming on. Torn off t-shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm buying it. But when yeah. you bite a guy's ear, that's it. But but you didn't know he was going to bite the ear. No, you, I know. You, you assumed that it was going to be a great that, fight. That was the beginning of the yes. end of Mike yeah. Tyson. Yeah, you, you assumed it was going to be a great fight, and that's why you bought it. Because the, if Mike Tyson had not gone to prison, that would have been a better fight. Because, you know, when you go to prison, he was gone for two years. And he was never the same after that. Never the same. Muhammad Ali had, what, five years? He couldn't yeah. fight. He, he came back and won. But you know what? Muhammad Ali, behind the scenes, was working out, though. He was doing boxing stuff during that whole yeah, time. But, but he couldn't to, fight, though. But he was doing a lot of... You're in of, prison. Can't you work out in prison? No. Not necessarily. Not like, not like a boxer. You, you don't have the access to, you know, speed bags and heavy bags. It's tough you know, to get that, the road yeah. work in, too. Exactly. You're not going too far <laughs> in a prison. Oh, I think I'm going to go run two feet today. <laughs> How many times can you run two feet that will equal 10 miles? Yeah. <laughs> you touch the wall, back, <laughs> touch the wall. <laughs> hey, I remember the movie The Fighter. Wasn't it Dickie? I he was running around the yard, getting ready. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's still tough, though, John. Yeah. <laughs> I'm coming to your house to watch. Yeah, that. you know what, Susan, yeah. you're more than welcome because Ding you know, dong. you know, because you know, your husband, you know, he's he's not, he doesn't splurge, <laughs> you know, and um, I don't want to call him a cheapskate. Hey, I heard I'm getting a new jersey. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah just he's, you're, getting, you're getting a new jersey because we put pressure on him. He's right. getting it because I because I, when I said that you had the, you had the knockoff, you had the uh, the Thomas Here Frank you go, jersey. Stacey. Sooners. Oh, the Sooners are back, baby. They got a triple. Lead off oh, triple. triple. Yeah, get nice. fired up. Look at her. She getting fired up. Hey, America, the Sooners are back, baby. We're down one, fourth inning. <laughs> in the, yes. Nicole Mendez, baby. Woo! Look at this. We finally got a hit off the James Give me Madison. The hot sauce. And this Sriracha. Is, and this is free, Stacey. Yes, this is free. Yeah. Yes, this is free. This is a hustle and flow studio. Like a, we got a we got a 70 we, inch we monitor. We it from the neighbors. Yeah, we got we yeah, we, we got really a free. Look at this girl. Wow, she got wheels. Stole that feed. Woo! She didn't really take it. That was a direct See that route around like second to third, man? Yeah, that's OU. That's nice. We, we practice that. We practice that. There's a short turn. Yeah. You know, you don't get the wide turn. No, you get that no short turn, turn at the inside corner. Boom, you're gone. Oh, we got to watch the rest of the game. So I think it's about time that uh, Tim tells us a, a Skinamax story or something. And, uh, wow. Did you pay too much for that? Wow. Or, you know, yeah. special feature yeah. films yeah. or what? You got any, you got any story for us? <laughs> I have to say a story about the time I went to the AVN Awards, but um, back in... What are the uh, AVN Awards? I don't know if I, I want to know. know. I can't really talk about that right now. Yes, sure you, you can, can talk about it. There you go. This is the podcast. Yeah. Adult Video? Come yeah. On. Adult never Video it? Network? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about purchases that maybe you didn't get your well, phone America, value Well, America may not know what AVN is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't See? Southside didn't wow. know. See? So I, I didn't know either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm America. I don't I'm watch not, shows like that. I'm not buying that. Yeah, I didn't know anything yeah. about that. I'm pretty sure he's been there too. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. He's trying to keep a happy home, buddy. He's trying to, to break up. Tell stories, tell stories on me, buddy. Yeah, when you were talking about Tyson Finks, I, I was out at ASU, bought uh, $75 tickets. I think that's like 92 bucks in today's money. And uh, it's supposed to be this. <laughs> He's got a scale in his wallet. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a, a full buffet scale. and drinks and everything for yeah. the fight and all this stuff. I got there about a minute and a half late. And, and that they, was over. They wouldn't even yeah. let us in. Couldn't get a beer or anything. <laughs> I had to turn around and walk out as a college student. All I could do was grab an ugly pillow off a couch, and that's what I took. <laughs> Walked out wow. with that. Wow. Yeah, I was so mad about it. But yeah, wow. didn't get a 
single draft beer, nothing. Glory, see the glory fight? days see, for whispers. See the same fight. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking well, about. Well, and yeah. here's another one. When Tyson got Don't beat be by late. Buster Douglas. That, uh, yeah, okay. That was no. a great fight, though. That no. was a great fight. It was a great fight, but I didn't get to see it, okay, because I had bought tickets for it. Uh, I was going to watch it in a bar with my friends that was in, in Norman, Japan. Oklahoma. That yeah. was in Japan. Yes, it was over yeah. NBA All-Star break, and so I went home for the All-Star break, and I had got tickets to go watch it. I paid like 50 bucks, and that's when I, you know, I was making the money. So I, I you know, NCAA, if you're not listening, don't listen. So I took, <laughs> I took some of my old teammates out. And I, bought, I bought like probably $250 worth of tickets so we all could go watch the, the Tyson fight. Well, we got caught up in, a, in another bar. and uh, Priorities, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was saying, so I, but, but, but Tyson was fighting Douglas, and it was supposed to be like, you know, the odds of Buster Douglas winning sure. was nothing. So I thought it was going to be another first round knockout. So I was like, oh, who cares? You know, so I go back to the hotel and we're getting getting dressed to go to another bar. So the, uh, the change hotel, clothes. Yeah, change clothes, change clothes. So so the guy at the desk, the uh, receptionist is like, hey, did y'all hear the big upset? And so we're talking like, what are you talking about? Mike Tyson got knocked out oh, in Tokyo. Oh, you missed it. Oh, you missed it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, no way. He goes, yeah, this dude, Buster Douglas or Buster Davis. They didn't even know the yeah, guy's name. Who's the guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so he said, knocked him out cold. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, you know, back then it was hard to get replays. Yeah. Back in those, it was like, like you know, early, like, like mid-90s, you know? Yeah. You didn't have all the replays well, especially social boxing. media. Boxing yeah. doesn't, yeah. You had to wait yeah. to get that. HBO would show it like a week later, the fight. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I could not believe that he got knocked out. He fought the perfect fight. I've watched oh. that fight because it was in my bar. We played that fight over and over, along with the Tyson uh, montage of knockouts. It's great. That's a tremendous fight. Great fight. Oh. Was, I mean, he fought the perfect fight. Came in, got him with the uppercut. And you, you know what was one of his first appearances back in the States when he got done with that fight? He was at the United Center for a Bulls game. Buster Douglas. Yeah, yeah I remember he was, that. He was, he was courtside there, and they, they sent me over to interview him, and it was like he still didn't believe it happened. You know, yeah, he's like, I should beat the guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was un unbeatable. I mean, like you said, you were already def defeated by the time yeah. he walked into the ring. And he had lost. He had lost like a, a, a certain number of fights in a row. Yeah. No one gave him a chance to win. Yeah. Tyson didn't train well. Yeah, he didn't and, train and, at all. And here, and here's the thing about Tyson during that fight was that they were ill prepared in case he got in trouble. Like they didn't have an in swell when his eyes swole up, and you know that little thing they had. They had to put ice in a little uh, wow. a plastic glove to try to keep the, the yeah swelling because most down. of his fights were like they were over over by yeah. the third round. Yeah. So they were not prepared for this yeah. at all. Yeah, the trainer was the Sad. trainer. The trainer had no equipment to get his eye. He couldn't even see. And and then the the guy Buster Douglas fought the perfect fight. He did. Fought the perfect fight. You know, when he when when fight from distance, yep. hit him with a jab, and then, and then when, when he, he gets close, smother him. Yep. Smother him. Don't let him come in and, and body you up and beat you up. When he gets close to you, just grab him and hold him. By the third or fourth round, if Tyson hasn't trained like he normally trains, he got tired and got gassed out. And then that yep. jab started just eating him up. Yep. Blah, blah, blah. Kind of looked like it kind of looked like uh <laughs> kind of looked like uh Chad Ochocinco. Chad Ochocinco <laughs> was like Tyson. He had a I mean like Buster Douglas. He had a nice jab in the first three rounds. In the fourth round, he caught a hook. Yeah. 
And he almost went night night. Well, he almost was a, a Nate Robinson meme. Yeah, it was yeah. an uppercut. He got him with an uppercut. Yeah. Buster Douglas came in. Buster you Douglas. Know, you know, he used to come in like this, left his chin exposed. Yes. And bam, pop. That's how that, yeah. that almost looked like how my brother knocked my dad out. I mean, my dad knocked my brother out. It was like that Buster yeah, Douglas punch. Yeah, check last yeah. week's episode of Game yeah. of the Hot yeah. Sauce. Yeah. Classic it out. stories. Don't, of don't ever challenge King. your father. Uh, <laughs> anybody out there that's, that's in their more. teenage years, do not challenge your father. They got old man strength. Leave them alone. Do what they tell you to do. Be a good son. So check that out. That was episode 31. We're bringing 32 to a close. And what did we learn today? We learned that uh, Stinger likes fitted hats. And he has alligator <laughs> arms. And, and Susie's going to get an authentic Southside yes. City Stop edition. Stop walking jersey. around with fake material. And, and if you want to hear Whisper's story about his uh, exploits, go to uh, Give Me the Hot Sauce After Dark. Yeah. Oh, come on special, in. Come on in. Special. Oh, and the baby. The Tigers is tied up. Just tied it. We brought him some good oh, luck. Oh, yeah. Wild pitch, baby. Wild pitch, baby. The Sooners are back. So you can catch, hopefully, Oklahoma wins this game and moves on to the championship series. But that's going to bring down the curtain on this edition of Gimme the Hot Sauce, episode 32. We had a lot of fun. We want to thank Al Vermeil, telling stories about the championship Bulls years. And Master Luke, we love you. We'll try to get you on later. Get some new equipment, Master Luke. (laughs) Get some new equipment. Stop buying cheap. Get cheated. All right, Stacey's got to watch the game. So bring bring down the curtain, Stace. Give me the hot sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Drive home safely. Beep, beep. Sooners all the way, baby. Sooners all the way. Wild pitch.